Attention! This makes absolutely no sense. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Xander's Facts. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Xander's Facts Podcast. I am, of course, the aforementioned Xander. This is episode 63 of the podcast here on Wednesday, May 18th, 2022. Thank you all for listening to the Zaders Facts Podcast. And remember, if you like all the facts, follow the podcast, subscribe, download this episode, episode 63. It's going to be a good one. You're going to enjoy it. And rate the podcast, review the podcast, go on all your socials, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Zaders Facts is there. That's Zaders with AZ. And most importantly, remember to tell all your friends, spread the facts, Zaders Facts Podcast. Big podcast this week, just like last week. If you haven't listened to last week's podcast, we talked about abortion. A lot of facts on that podcast. It was pretty long. You should go listen to that. And this week, we've got another big topic that we are tackling. Public education. Yikes! Because it is an issue. There is a crisis going on in public schools in the United States of America. Talk about that in just a second. We've also got an NBA playoffs update. That is coming up at the end of the podcast because the conference finals just started on Tuesday. There's only four teams left. We're going to talk about that at the end of the podcast. But before we get to that, let's get to our main topic today, which is public education. And we're talking about that because, as you may have noticed, I know I've noticed, something clearly isn't right with the public school system in this country. There is a conflux of problems, years in the making, that have created a major crisis during the pandemic that simply cannot be ignored any longer. Our public schools in the United States of America are more dangerous than ever. Students are not learning at acceptable rates, and the U.S. as a whole is clearly falling behind. There's a clear crisis in publicly funded education in this country. But what are the problems facing public schools? Well, I asked myself that question, and I took a look, and I found a bunch. So, we're going to take a look here on Xander's Facts this week, the problems facing public schools in America, the public school crisis. So, here we go! As you may have known, there are numerous problems that have been facing public schools for years. And while I was researching for this podcast, I found an article from Public School Review, very interesting, which listed the 15 biggest failures of the American public education system. And I thought it did a pretty decent job accurately summarizing the problems that schools have been dealing with. So I've got 15 of the biggest failures. Now, these really don't have to do with the pandemic. The pandemic, of course, has caused more problems. But these 15 are pretty good, and I'm going to add my own later on. So what this list said, number one, and this is probably the biggest one out of all of them, Deficits in government funding for schools. Get that dough! This is arguably the biggest issue because while money doesn't solve all problems, it could certainly help if there was more of it in public education. Most funding for public schools comes from states and localities. So it obviously depends on the state that you live in how much funding is coming into schools, and it also depends on the city or county that you reside in or the school district. So I found that the 10 states with the highest per-pupil spending on education last year, 2021, were New York, Connecticut, New Jersey, Alaska, Massachusetts, New Hampshire, Pennsylvania, Wyoming, Rhode Island, and Illinois. Some surprises in there. But the bottom 10, Tennessee, Nevada, North Carolina, Florida, Vermont, Mississippi, Oklahoma, Arizona, Idaho, and Utah. 
It's not as clear as some political issues that you see sometimes, but the party divide on that list is there. It's pretty real. And a major issue is that many school systems had their budgets slashed during the Great Recession, 2008, 2009, and in many cases, they still haven't recovered. This is a whole other issue with government funding because, yes, some school budgets are lower today than they were in 2008. And I'm not even talking about adjustments due to inflation. The number is lower. And we know that there has been a little bit of inflation since 2008 and 2009. Duh. Funding is a major issue that seems to be the cause of many issues with public schools. But there are many other issues, like a decline in school safety. This is not only about guns and mass shootings, although that is a significant portion of the school safety issue, but students don't feel safe going to school at times. Threats are being made to schools all the time, and even worse, there are incidents that are occurring at higher frequencies now at schools, especially after virtual learning when everyone's coming back to school. So instead of using time to learn, in schools, we're taking time out to practice active shooter drills. Again, that's an issue that almost no other developed country in the world has to deal with. And that, of course, leads to gun control, but also mental health. But we're going to talk about that in a little bit. Another problem is challenges with technology and education. There's a debate over how much of a role technology should play in education because technology has taken over education, especially during the pandemic, because we could only use our devices for school. Critics argue that technology can harm learning and distract from learning, including by allowing easier access to teaching. So some people think that's an issue. Another one, controversy over charter schools and voucher programs. Oh my gosh. We're going to get to this whole thing later on. But also known as school choice, charter schools are basically schools that are run privately, but they receive funds from the government. School vouchers are used to allow parents to send their children to charter schools or private schools for free or a significantly reduced cost because the government is picking up the tab. And I got a lot to say about that. Nice try, buddy. So we'll get to that later. But these other problems, problems with the Common Core curriculum, as you may know, Common Core, established by the federal government in 2009. When that was established, it was supposed to provide equity in education across the country by holding every student to the same standardized testing requirements. However, many say it has caused much more harm than good because there are those that say the federal government should stay out of education. There's one side. And then the other side that's against this, those that say standardized testing does not allow for teacher innovation and flexibility and just standardized testing is not... We're going to get to standardized testing later, so we'll talk about that. What are you talking about? But there's also an issue with teacher salaries, and they are decreasing. We talked about funding for schools, but the decrease in funding for schools has caused teacher salaries to fall behind as well, and it's caused major staffing shortages, which we're going to get to in a second as well. Between the 2009 and 2010 school year and the 2021-2022 school year, though, that is now wrapping up this one, the average salary for K-12 through public school teachers dropped by almost 5%. While salaries have increased in some states, the overall trend is definitely being held back by states who have significantly decreased salaries. And I found the top 10 states for average teacher salary, which were New York, California, Massachusetts, Connecticut, New Jersey, Washington, Maryland, Alaska, Pennsylvania, and Illinois. The bottom 10 are Montana, Arizona, Louisiana, Missouri, Arkansas, Florida, South Dakota, New Mexico, West Virginia, and Mississippi. So the correlation between those stats and the overall funding that I had earlier, 
That is significantly real. There's also an emphasis on standardized testing, as I said I was going to get to. Back to standardized testing, because it was not just Common Core that emphasized standardized testing. There was definitely an increased focus on test scores during the No Child Left Behind years, which were basically the Bush years, began in 2001. And right now, schools and teachers are being assessed very heavily on test scores, and funding can also come into play with those. And many argue that these large end-of-year tests are not a fair or accurate measure of efficacy or learning in general, basically, and that the pressure to perform well on the tests actually reduces focus on other subjects that may be important, but they're not tested on other important educational topics. So there's a whole big thing against standardized testing. True, true. Arguments against teacher tenure as well, they say. Teacher tenure is also being brought up because critics argue that teacher tenure can encourage complacency by teachers and make it harder for schools to get rid of ineffectual teachers. Okay, but supporters of teacher tenure argue that it allows for teachers to argue on behalf of students without fears or reprisal, and it rewards good teachers. I mean, I would say you're probably not going to award teacher tenure to a teacher who is ineffectual, who's not a good teacher. Like, uh, I don't know. But also, number nine, bullying. Because everyone knows bullying is a major issue everywhere in schools, worldwide. Like, this is a global thing, and it always has been. Department of Education has actually found, though, that reported bullying in schools has been decreasing in the last 20 years. 2015 data found that 20.8% of students ages 12 to 18 have reported being bullied. Of course, that's still too high, but that's down from where it was. However, the issue is not all bullying is reported. And today's bullying is coming in very different ways, cyberbullying. And it is leading to an increase in violence in schools, too. Uh-oh. Bullying is also leading to students having behavioral, emotional, and physical problems that can definitely have lasting effects beyond grade school. There's also growing problems with student poverty. This is obviously much more of an impact than just education, but over 50% of public school children were classified low income, which from the beginning of the century is up over 10%. Poverty is obviously a major issue though in the US, and childhood poverty especially, which is actually an issue that the federal government could probably take up, and should. But I digress, because we've also got schools that are overcrowding. Class sizes across the country have been trending upwards on average for a while now, which has several effects. First off, it causes school buildings to be overcrowded, which is obviously not enjoyable, but it also limits resources. And it's also a hinder to education for children because they may not be getting individual help. Individual help, one-on-one -on -one teaching, has been shown to be an extremely effective form of teaching and learning. Overcrowding schools limits that. And I talked about the increase of violence that's due to, of course, the lack of gun control, but also mental health. And especially during the pandemic, mental health issues are a major concern in children and have been for a while. And this is more evident in college students, actually. A 2018 study found that two-thirds of college kids have experienced overwhelming anxiety. This is true. But this is also an issue in grade school students. And the lack of mental health resources in schools are making schools more dangerous places where learning can become a burden, definitely for some. As I said, we're taking time out of the day to practice active shooter drills. Another one, which actually I was like, hmm, 
parents are not involved enough. And you are probably like, hmm. Well, actually, I read on and it has a different meaning. This one is definitely tricky. But the site that I saw cites that parents either lacking higher education or who do not focus on their kids are hindering their learning. They're lacking higher education and they can't provide help for their kids at home or parents who do not focus on their kids simply because they're too career focused. Those cases are accurate and they are hurting education for children. And we've also seen, as you may have thought when I said that, we've seen what happens when parents focus too much on their child's education in some cases, even though they're not really, you know, caring about their child's education. It's for other purposes. But we will definitely get to that in a little bit. We've got two more. The next one is too many schools are being closed. And this is not due to COVID or anything with virtual learning. This has to do with schools closing for good because of a lack of funding. And this obviously leads to larger class sizes and less resources to go around. But I actually know this personally because when I was in first grade, which was like the height of the Great Recession, so, you know, all the funding was slashed, they had to close my elementary school due to a lack of funding. So I got moved to a new elementary school, and that's where I spent the rest of elementary school, at a new elementary school for second through fifth grades. But my story is probably not uncommon because especially at that time, a bunch of schools were closing down. Schools are still closing because there is a lack of funding and class sizes are getting too big. One more issue that the site cites, lack of teacher innovation and outdated teaching methods. And of course, that is of course due to funding. If you talk about outdated textbooks, which there are many of in our school system. That's blasphemy. But education and how teaching is done has really not changed in recent years, except for you know, the technology, but technology's advanced and coursework has moved online. Much of the same ways that teaching was done decades ago are still in place now, except, you know, the crazy math, but much of it is due to the enforcement of standardized testing, which has not updated its guidelines very much recently. So those are kind of 15 overall problems that schools have been dealing with for a while now. Mind you, none of these problems were exclusively introduced with the pandemic. However, many of them have been exacerbated by it. And there are now new issues that have been identified as well because of the pandemic and its impact on public schools. Now, this is a whole nother thing that we have to get into because it is really fueling the crisis that we've got. There are so many issues that were present, but maybe we didn't see them, that have been blown open because of the pandemic. One of those is staffing shortages. Those are becoming way more apparent because teachers are leaving schools in the profession entirely at an alarming rate. And this is, of course, due to budgeting because teacher salaries are not growing with inflation and public school teachers are finding higher paying jobs elsewhere, including private schools. This is also due to burnout because the pandemic has created basically a major toll on everybody, but teachers, especially who have had to teach virtually, they've had to teach in person with major restrictions or both at the same time. And the added bonus that parents have begun to take major issue with teaching for, in some cases, conspiratorial reasons, which we will get into, that has not helped either. And this isn't just with full-time teachers because there are massive shortages of substitute teachers and bus drivers that are also having major impacts on how children are learning and how they're even getting to and from the school building. 
And this was an issue before the pandemic, but it has gotten way worse because the Bureau of Labor Statistics found that in 2016, for every job listing at a school, school system, 1.06 people were hired. In 2021, that number was 0.59. In 2013, there were 555,320 substitute teachers in the U.S. And then in 2020, there were 415,510. It's the truth. So teachers are having to take on additional classes, additional students, and additional work, and they're experiencing major burnout, and it is definitely increasing the exodus from the profession entirely. Taking on all this extra work with many cases, not extra pay. And a lot of this has been due to remote learning, which has also been a major contentious issue that began in spring 2020 due to the pandemic. And for a while, it was definitely necessary to limit the spread of COVID, especially when we did not have vaccines to protect, you know, everyone the most vulnerable. But now we do. And now in some cases, remote learning definitely did last too long and teachers unions were fighting to stay remote last school year. But I'm just going to say, there are some arguing that that's the big issue. We should blame all the teachers and get mad at them. It's over. I mean, we're back and in person. You don't have to yell at all the teachers who were basically not doing this for their own personal gain to just work from home, but for their safety and what they thought would be in the best interest of their students' safety. Obviously, we know that lasted a little too long. In some cases, there were cities that probably lasted too long, but still, that's no reason to be blaming and yelling at teachers right now either. But remote learning was necessary at some point, but it did have damaging effects that are going to have long-lasting impacts because it was found that elementary school students, elementary age students, who were below grade level in reading and math rose by nearly double digits in some cases before and after the pandemic. This was most severe, especially for lower-income students and families who had little external resources to help, of course, when everyone was at home, and now schools and teachers are having to play catch-up. And enrollment is also falling. And this could also have lasting negative impacts on our society because you need people to learn how to read or they're going to be stupid. Whoa, whoa, whoa. From fall 2019 to 2020, public school enrollment dropped by 2.7% in the U.S. Now, early data has mostly shown enrollment rebound in fall of 2021. We don't have full data, but it is not reaching 2019 levels. And this is due to parents putting students in private or charter schools or homeschooling them because a bunch of parents cited safety concerns not just with COVID, but also bullying and school shootings that made them homeschool their child if they could. Of course, it'd probably be better for everyone, not just from a learning perspective, but also from a societal perspective, to have your children in school. There's also the issue of those that are enrolled but are missing school because Everyday Labs found in their studies that students who missed over 10 days of school a year, that's chronic absenteeism, doubled, that number doubled from 2019 to 2021, and this was exacerbated with low-income students, and also students who are learning English as a second language, students with disabilities, and students who are dealing with homelessness. Chronic absenteeism is over 50% in students who are dealing with homelessness. And then you've also got increasing cases of violence in schools. School shootings, as I said, have been happening for many years now in the U.S., which is not good. No, no, not! But a new layer has brought even more violence and outbursts into schools 
as they reopen from virtual learning because teachers are finding that students are lacking common social skills for their age groups because of the virtual learning because they were stuck at home and this is causing behavioral issues. While teachers are saying that this is causing issues in the classroom, it's also spilling out into the hallways because fights in schools are increasing. And the Washington Post is saying in one of their articles in regards to students, quote, many say the social isolation wrought during remote school left them with lower capacity to manage human conflict, unquote. Fights have always been happening in schools, but they are becoming more violent and more common. The Center for Homeland Disease and Security found that actually in 2021, there were 249 incidents nationwide of gunfire on school grounds. That is a record high in one year. The previous high came in 2019, 219 incidents. And this year, we are in May, already 122 incidents of gunfire on a school ground have occurred in this country. It is May. And once again, this is not happening, of course, in any other developed country in the world. Because as I said earlier, this is obviously a failure to implement any kind of gun control because the excess number of guns in the U.S. are clearly falling into the wrong hands. And yes, mental health also plays a part. But almost every country is dealing with mental health problems too, especially with the pandemic. But our lack of mental health funding is obviously playing a part as well. But also, there aren't schools in any other developed country that are getting shot up all the time. Like, and also, they're making fun of us. Because I don't know if you've seen this TikTok trend. Oh, yay. With the American people coming over to Britain and asking, why is all this stuff in Britain weird? And then they respond, Well, at least our skis aren't getting shot up in mathematics class. That was the worst thing I ever heard, right? With the weird, you know, monster in the background. I don't know. TikTok, you gotta go check it out. But it is clearly an American issue, which clearly we're doing something wrong. And I think you can kind of tell what we're doing wrong when you compare the United States to other countries. But obviously, there are lots of issues that are playing out in public schools, some that are more important than others, and some that are a lot easier to solve. However, what I am finding as the biggest crisis point in our schools right now that almost every other issue can be traced back to is the insertion of politics into education, into the classroom. Spitting the truth. It is what I would consider the biggest issue in this school crisis phenomenon. In a way, though, education has always been, and hopefully always will be, political. And basically by that I mean it's being funded and run by the government, mostly by local and state governments, by the way. But it's public schools. It's being funded by the government, which of course politics and all that stuff. What do you say? However, the recent moves to make education a political tool or weapon have come at a major cost. Because the recent rise of parental choice advocates have done great harm to public schools. And as I said... I'm coming back to school choice because it's been a major talking point in political discourse in recent years. The fight for charter schools and school choice has and will inevitably lead to a decrease in funding for public schools since the government is also going to have to fund these charter schools, which are not even run by the government. 
Those who argue, though, for charter schools will say that they help children in lower-income households with special needs and other disadvantages. They have lower class sizes. However, the data on this, on these talking points, is not clear because there's reliable data that says they help and there's data that says they harm. And in fact, the overall data in many studies would show that charter schools are basically on par in student performance with public schools. So if we have charter schools and they're not helping, why are we funding them when we can make significant advancements in funding public schools, which is what we need? And charter schools, these are facts, have been shown to act with little transparency. They have become cash cows in some cases, tax dollars, some of those cases, discipline students in more unfair terms, especially minority students, and have actually led to a resegregation in all schools. And that's, of course, what you saw the last, what they say the last major crisis in public schools came after Brown v. Board, which caused all the schools in the country to desegregate. And of course, a bunch of white parents were like, oh my gosh, my child, a white child going to school with a black child. That is not okay. So then they moved off to the suburbs and now we had all these grand, fancy white schools in the suburbs and the black students had poor funding and poor education in the poorly run schools in the city centers in this country, which is what happened. But now we're seeing another resegregation of schools from charter schools. And that is due to the fact that charter schools are admissions based. And so basically that means you only get school choice if the charter school chooses you. And in fact, it was found that in Pittsburgh, the state of Pennsylvania, this was a couple years ago, was requiring school districts to open charter schools. That actually caused public schools to close in Pittsburgh because they did not have the necessary funds. Oops! And Pittsburgh was not alone across Pennsylvania in the years after the Great Recession because Pennsylvania required all these districts to open these charter schools, and many of them were not performing well. So what I will say is that the argument that choice, school choice, is the solution in public education makes little sense because we can have public schools that can have smaller class sizes. We can have public schools that can help disadvantaged students. We can have public schools that make sure everyone is given the best education possible. All we need to do is adequately fund are public schools. And maybe that requires federal funds. Maybe that requires states and local governments to spend more on public schools and stop funding charter schools, which in some cases are not working, or in the rest of the cases are working on par with public schools. But something needs to be done with that issue, with school choice. Also, oh boy, the rise of, you all know, critical race theory, oh my gosh, Oof. is causing parents to lose their minds, and take out all their frustrations on school boards and teachers. And what can, I would say, accurately be described as the war on public education, conservatives have launched another culture war attack, this time on public schools, and this has been happening. While charter schools are part of that plan, and they have been, definitely, critical race theory is the next big weapon that is being forced down our throats. Now, as Xander's Facts listeners you all know everything there is to know about critical race theory because I devoted an entire podcast to it last year. But if you haven't heard it or you need a refresher, you should stop this podcast right now and you should go listen to episode 24, which is Critical Fact Theory. I recorded that back in July. Go listen to that. Quick facts! But long story short, 
Critical race theory, as some are arguing, is not being taught in K-12 schools, public schools. It never has been, and it isn't now. It's being taught, the theory, in law schools. However, so if you go to law schools, I mean, there you go. But what we have learned over the past year is that when someone argues against critical race theory, when they're saying, no, critical race theory, they aren't actually arguing against the critical race theory, the actual theory. They're arguing against being taught actual history of the United States because the attacks on education, like, oh boy, here you go, the New York Times 1619 Project, you probably heard of that, probably heard Tucker going, oh my gosh, that's terrible, are by majority white parents, the attacks on education are, who don't want their children to learn about the horrors that have actually occurred in this country. Because what the 1619 Project does, if you didn't know, is it suggests that slavery and racism are at the core of American history. And if you actually critically think, which I know for some people is very hard, Need some ice for that sick burn. But critically think about it, can you actually argue against that with legitimate facts? Because, I don't know if you know this, but black people were legally allowed to be slaves in this country to white people from the times of the first colonists up until the end of the Civil War, which was in the 1860s. Black people also couldn't vote until then. They were also counted as three-fifths of a person when the country was first founded. And then, after that, segregation took place in this country for another hundred years. And we can all see, especially here in Virginia, because you all remember what happened in Charlottesville, that the racism is clearly still alive and well in the United States today. So, this also may have something to do with this thing called the Great Replacement Theory, which you've probably heard of in the last few days, where white people have basically been brainwashed to believe that they are being disenfranchised, disempowered, and being pushed out of their own country. Oh my gosh! It doesn't make any sense! And that's probably something we could have a whole nother podcast on about. Because, by now, you've probably heard about the shooting that took place in a grocery store in a majority black neighborhood in Buffalo back on this weekend on Saturday. Now. The shooter in Buffalo was an avid believer of Great Replacement Theory. He wrote his manifesto, and he wrote that he intended to kill as many black people as he could, which, oh my gosh, there, see, we got some messed up people, and it's because of these brainwashings that are happening, and now it's leading to violence, because we have guns too. But anyway, the effort to bar Accurate historical teachings has gone to the extremes. Now, book bans are being talked about. There's a bunch of states that are passing extremely vague laws banning critical race theory. And Florida, which is one of the states that passed one of those laws, you know, our guy Ron DeSantis, is actually rejecting math textbooks based on the laws. Like, how do you just... It's not, it's not about critical race theory. It's about learning about accurate history in our country because it makes white kids feel so sad. What are you talking about? If it makes them feel sad, it's because you have taught them to feel sad about that, which means you're probably crazy racist parent. The lies that are being spread about critical race theory and history have also caused those that have been misled to act in extreme ways, as we have seen over the past year, because parents and sometimes non-parents, just political activists, like we have seen in the Commonwealth of Virginia, have swarmed school board meetings to scream 
literally scream at elected school board members about lies such as critical race theory being taught in our schools. How could you do this to us? Teachers are also facing the wrath of angry parents who are now causing teachers to leave the profession, as I said, at astronomically high levels. A survey from January found that 55% of teachers were considering retiring or leaving the profession. That doesn't mean 55% are going to leave. That means they were considering that. And that is a little ridiculous. And screaming at teachers about made-up conservative culture war propaganda BS is probably not the answer to fixing public schools. But Republicans do believe it is the answer to getting what they want, which is defunding public schools, which they have been trying to do for many years now. And they also believe it's the answer to win them control of government because they had a whole big test run of this in Virginia last year. If you don't remember, we had a governor's election last year. And their test basically worked because there were enough voters that were tricked by the Republicans and the governor, the new one, Glenn Youngkin's lies that critical race theory was being taught in Virginia schools and harming students. It's not, but they said that, and a bunch of parents were like, oh my gosh! Education was the biggest issue in the gubernatorial election in Virginia last year. It's probably, it's most definitely not going to be in the midterms this year. Probably going to be the economy. But those lies are now going to have lasting effects in Virginia, probably for more than just the four-year term that Glenjamin's going to have. But since it worked... That argument's going to go mainstream, and it has gone mainstream throughout the Republican Party and is going to be used across the country this year in the midterms, even though you all know it's just BS and lies because you listen to my podcast I had last year on it. It's a fact. The infusion of politics has caused and is causing major damages to the public school system in the United States. The misinformation that is being promoted by right-wing politicians, and news media. I don't know if you've heard Tucker recently, but he went all in on that great replacement theory after that Buffalo shooting and all the shootings we had this weekend because there were a ton of them. Because that's, that's all another issue. But the misinformation that is being promoted is clearly having damaging effects on our society because a bunch of people are now crazy in their own fantasies. But now it's harming our public education system. So basically... In conclusion, what I wanted to say is that public schools in the United States are clearly under threat. Basically, what's happening is public schools are not getting the funds they need, and conservatives are using the effects of that, which they're trying to do. They're trying to defund the public schools to say that charter schools, we need charter schools, and curriculum overhauls are needed to remove any mentions of race or LGBTQ plus issues, you know, don't say gay, from the classroom as to not upset white or straight kids. Of course, you know, charter schools, we're trying to get all the wealthy white kids into charter schools so all the black minority kids can suffer in the poor public schools. That's basically what they're trying to do. And you could be like, Xander, that's not true. You know, it is true. If you say so. And the solution to the problem is simple. We got one solution. It's pretty simple. Adequately fund public schools. First off, you need to elect people to your school board and your state legislature and Congress who want to adequately fund public schools. Because we need to fund public schools all over the U.S., but especially in low-income and minority communities, they need massive influxes of funds in order to provide the best education possible, especially the ones 
why are we degrading and giving less money to schools that have poor test scores, which they are basing all the funding on? Like, that doesn't make any sense. You should give them more funding so that they can get better. Like, the whole public education system in this country is kind of wacko. Is it actually? And the sidetrack of funds to charter schools that may or may not work as well as public schools, mind you, needs to stop because it's actively harming public schools like it did in Pennsylvania and other states as well. And possibly, if they can, even more states, probably the country. But the public education issue is not only one at the federal level, it's barely one at the federal level. Because it's a state and local problem, which highlights the need to be voting all the time in your local elections, in your state elections, to be voting and involved in elections at every level. Because who you vote for, who you vote to be in your school board is going to have a huge effect on the education your children receive. And who you vote into your state legislature is also going to have a major impact. Because these are the people that are deciding funding the state's and the localities. So the solution that was reached by some to defund public schools in favor of charter schools and treat those in charge of children's education as lesser than human beings by basically treating them like trash and yelling at them and saying, you're teaching my child critical race theory. That's not working. And that has caused this massive crisis throughout the pandemic because everybody has lost their crap. No one has civility. If we don't fix this, it's going to have lasting effects not just in the United States, but America's standing around the world. Because everybody's going to think of America as dumb hillbillies, which they probably already do now, because we're not going to be educating anyone properly. It is going to become an educational disaster. Uh, Dang! There you go. So that's what I've got for you on public schools, public education. It is under attack in this country by... Really, what is now a whole movement, a whole party, a whole side in this country who are trying to promote charter schools, you know, not just because they think they're going to work. They just want the white, wealthy, rich kids to not have to go to school with the poor black kids. Oh my gosh, it's how could you desegregate our schools? You've seen probably these images of way back in the 60s of these black children who are trying to go to school now in newly desegregated schools, and there's just a bunch of white people screaming at them, you know, all the racist stuff, all horrible things, because they think that black people are lesser in society, they're above white black people, oh my gosh, white people are the greatest. Those people had children, and who now believe the same things. They're just, you know... These are the people who used to say the N-word publicly all the time. Ready to say. But now, they have different ways of promoting their racism. Racism is everywhere in this country. Still, as you can see from what I just talked about, because the motivation to defund public schools and fund charter schools is based on race. And if you don't see that, then I, you probably don't think that the U.S. has racism in its historical core, which I don't see if you actually look at the history of the United States, how you couldn't see that. But I digress, because that is all I've got for education, for politics this week. So with that out of the way, let's get to our NBA playoffs update. 
because, as I said, four teams left. It's the conference finals. We are now down to the second to last round of the NBA playoffs. Four teams left. Two of those teams are in the Eastern Conference, and the Eastern Conference finals are the Celtics and the Heat. Now, if you listen to this podcast about a month ago, we had our NBA analyst Hillbilly on, who likes to talk about the NBA. Seriously? However, what Hillbilly did not tell you was that the Heat and the Celtics were going to make the Eastern Conference Finals. I did tell you that, however, so you should have listened to me, Xander's Facts. Xander's Facts! They are in the Eastern Conference Finals. They just played Game 1 on Tuesday night, and all those games are going to be on ESPN or ABC for the next week or two. And I did, in my previous prediction, pick the Celtics to beat the Heat. So, I think I'm going to stick with that prediction. I have got the Celtics in six games. I think the Celtics are going to win and move on to the NBA Finals for the first time since they did it with the big three, Paul Pierce, Kevin Garnett, Ray Allen, first time in the Jason Tatum era. And that Celtics-Bucks series went to Game 7. It was a pretty good series. Game 7 wasn't that great, though. The Celtics kind of blew them out because they were getting hot from three. But the Celtics prevailed, so they are coming out of that 2-3 matchup at the Eastern Conference to face the 1C Miami Heat. But I've got the Celtics winning as I did previously. Over to the West now where things got a little crazy because the Golden State Warriors, the three seed, Pibley and I both picked to go to the Western Conference Finals, did. They beat the Memphis Grizzlies. However, that 1-4 matchup at the Conference Semifinals, which were the Suns, who were the best team by far in the regular season this year, and the Dallas Mavericks, who have probably the best player in that series and one of the best players now, Luka Doncic. Well, he took over. He had some help, too. The Mavericks were really good. Game 7, there was also a Game 7 in that series, was just... Terrible. Ridiculous, because it happened in Phoenix, and Phoenix got their doors blown off of them. It was horrible. It was like a 30-point lead at halftime. It wasn't even close. The Suns played horribly. Like, I'm angry at the Suns. They were my pick to win the championship, and they blow it in one game. Chris Paul... Devin Booker, Chris Paul's never won a championship. He's never going to win a championship because he just can't get past anybody. Oh my gosh. I just get the Phoenix Suns. I mean, seriously. So they lost. The Mavericks and the Warriors are in the Western Conference Finals. And I will say that I did have the Suns advancing, but I've got the Warriors advancing in this series because Golden State is looking pretty unstoppable right now when you consider they've got Steph Curry. They've got Klay Thompson. Jordan Poole is going crazy. They've got Draymond Green on that team, too. They look stacked. I honestly don't see how anybody can beat them in a seven-game series, but we'll see. But I've got them. I've got the Celtics and the Warriors meeting in the finals. And the Western Conference Finals actually begins tonight. Tip-offs for that series are 9 o'clock because it is in the West, 9 o'clock Eastern time. Those games are on TNT. So we got four teams left in the NBA playoffs. And just a reminder... That our aforementioned NBA analyst Hillbilly is going to be joining the podcast two weeks from now. That is right before the NBA Finals, and we are going to talk about everything in the NBA playoffs so far and our predictions for the Finals, which one watch, all that stuff. That's coming up in two weeks. But that's what I got for you this week. That's our NBA Playoffs update, and that is episode 63 of the podcast. Y'all, thank you all for listening, and remember, if you liked all the facts on this week's podcast, you want to support Zaders Facts Podcast, Remember to click the follow button on this podcast, download this episode, episode 63, rate the podcast, review the podcast, go on all your socials, spread the facts with all your friends, 
Go check out Xander's Facts on YouTube. We're releasing all our new episodes on YouTube with a nice background you can watch. Check that out. Xander's Weekend Facts, our weekly newsletter, is coming out every Sunday morning. You're going to want to check that out because our numbers are growing. I didn't ask that. Check out Xander's Weekend Facts. And also, check out the Xander's Facts link tree. It is linked in this episode's description. That's got all the Xander's Facts links, the YouTube, the socials, where else you can get the podcast, the Xander's Weekend Facts. All that stuff is on the Xander's Facts link tree, which is linked on this episode's description. We've got a new episode next week, episode 64. We are talking all soccer next week because it is a big time in soccer. The Premier League is winding down. The final games in the Premier League are Sunday, and the title race is going down to the final day. Manchester City is ahead of Liverpool by two points. That's going to be decided on Sunday. And also the relegation race, a couple teams, Everton, Burnley, and Leeds, there's two spots left in the Premier League. One of those teams is going to go down to the second tier, which is called the championship for some reason. That is also decided on Sunday, so that's going to be exciting. And then, after the podcast comes out next week, the UEFA Champions League final, Liverpool and Real Madrid, we are going to talk all about that. World Cup is happening in November. We're talking about that, all that stuff. That is next week, talking soccer on the Xander's Facts podcast. But that is it. That is a wrap on episode 63 of the Xander's Facts podcast. Thank you all for listening, and we'll see y'all with episode 64 next week.